Welcome to Crosswords. This is a podcast about practical Christianity. Emphasis on practical. How to put Jesus' words into practice. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? As Christians, we live in a culture hostile to righteousness, self-control, and God's judgment. Righteousness because we don't get good messages about what good moral values ought to be. Hostile against self-control because we all make excuses for our behavior as opposed to saying no to sin. And hostile to God's judgment to come because we're usually afraid to talk about death, hell, and judgment, something Jesus spoke of frequently. So in this podcast, we're going to get your mind and your heart in line with Jesus' words and way, because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who can get us out of this world alive. All scriptures quoted will be from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord and be a blessing. Jesus was transfigured. Today we're going to take a peek at the prototype of humanity 2.0. And we're going to do so as we read Luke chapter 9. Verse 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, and John with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. Although this event occurred towards the end of Jesus' second year of ministry, I'd like to bring it up now since it touches on key lessons about endings and beginnings, lessons about transitions, change, about becoming. In Matthew 17, verse 2, the actual Greek word translated as transfigured is metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis from. It means to be changed in form, and sometimes it can even include function as well. A perfect example of metamorphosis is what happens to the ugly and lowly caterpillar after it spins a cocoon. It is changed into a beautiful and majestic butterfly. It goes from crawling on its belly to flying. Little tadpoles are also changed into frogs. They go from living and breathing in the water 
to living and breathing on land. Though not biologically known as metamorphosis, we can also think of seeds, because seeds are so small and so different than the majestic trees or beautiful flowering plants or fruitful trees they can change into. This transfiguration of Jesus is not just a glimpse into our own future, but a key to accepting and promoting the change occurring inside us by the working of the Spirit that God will bring us about in us into the new reality in store for us. What will we become? Well, we don't know. Only, as John says in 1 John 3, 2, that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what can we learn from Jesus' transfiguration? Well, I think there are three lessons for us in this episode. Number one, things are not as they seem. Number two, we have something to look forward to. And number three, and the most important one, is we've got to listen to Jesus, as God said, listen to him. So let's go to the first lesson. Things are not as they seem. As they were all praying there in the mountaintop, uh, the appearance of Jesus changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning, and two other men who had been dead for so long appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. God kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit and allowed the disciples to take a peek at, at a reality that was hidden from them. Things are not as they seem. There is something happening inside us that we're not able to perceive if you've chosen to be baptized in Christ. We are not the same since we've been immersed in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Once you got out of that watery grave of baptism, a transformation has begun in you. So we don't want to continue pandering to the same likes and passions and lifestyle that we were into before because those uh, brought us far from God. But now we want to learn to surrender to this working of the Spirit in us. There's lots of things happening around us that we're not able to perceive. John in Revelation chapter 4 was taken to God's throne before the worst of persecutions would happen to the, to the people back then so that John could get a glimpse that, hey, everything is under control. God is on his throne. That's what Revelation 4 is about. It's about the throne of heaven. God's throne is the focal point of everything described in that chapter. And God is pictured as reigning and in control, even though to John, things might have appeared differently. Things are not as they seem. We are currently, if you're in Christ, you are being transformed. It might not seem like it. You may not perceive it, but we have to trust that's what God is doing. 2 Corinthians 3.18 will say, We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed. There's that word metamorpho again here. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That phrase there, ever-increasing glory, in the Greek is from glory 
to glory, meaning bit by bit, little by letter. There is a change occurring inside of us, like a seed growing into a tree, like a caterpillar in the cocoon, slowly turning into a butterfly. The changes are not perceivable by our eyes, but that doesn't mean they are not occurring. Things are not as they seem. And we're also being changed by the working of God within us. That's who is doing the change. That's why it's imperceptible to our human eyes. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, My dear friends, as much as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is a great passage to remind us that despite we, despite the fact that we can't see how God is working in us, or sometimes we can't tell what God is doing in the world around us, things seem to be getting worse, things to seem to be out of order, and many psalms allude to that as well. Some of the psalmists talking about how they don't see God working. They don't see God answering. It seems like the evil people are getting better and the people who want to do good are getting worse. But this passage reminds us, despite what we see, one thing we must do is to continue to work out our salvation. There's an action that God expects us to take. We have to take responsibility for this process of transformation. How? Well, with the attitude he talks about here, with fear and trembling. We need to fear God. That means we, we don't focus on what we see, but on what we cannot see, on who we cannot see. Fearing God, knowing he's in control, knowing like John was shown that he is on his throne, that things are going to turn out in God's favor. So we work out our salvation by keeping away from evil, by turning to God, by being transparent, walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, being real with ourselves and our vulnerability, and desiring to work with God, which is really surrendering to God, because as the passage says, it is God who is working in us to will and to act. So if we are taking responsibility of the process, fearing God, the result is that we will surrender to fulfill his good purpose because God is the one doing the heavy lifting. Like a caterpillar has no idea how to change into a butterfly. All he can do is just surrender as he makes his little cocoon. And once we got baptized, we were put into the cocoon of the church. And now God is working in us this transformation, as the passage says, working in us to will and to act to fulfill his good pleasure. This gives me so much comfort, this passage. Number two, we have something to look forward to. This episode where we see Jesus being transfigured not only tells us that things are not as they seem, not to trust our eyes, not to trust our heart, but to trust God and his working, but it also teaches us that we have something to look forward to. You know, many things in this life are veiled. Our hearts, for one, are veiled. We sometimes don't know why we feel what we feel. 
And we have to remember that our hearts are deceitful. They're not to be trusted. We are veiled to our timetable. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, which is why Jesus says tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. Don't worry about it. Just focus on the now. Focus on the present. We are veiled to events that may occur uh, to us, which we're not planning. Could be something happens to us economically, whether good or bad. Something happens to our health. Something happens with those whom we love. We don't know what's going to happen, but God tells us don't worry about those things. Many things are veiled to us. The entire spiritual realm is veiled to us. And often these things that are veiled to us are much cause for fear, for anger, for confusion, and for doubt, something which the spiritual forces of evil take advantage of. They want us to lose heart. They want us to give up and give in to our temptations and our sin. But we have to be hopeful, like Paul encouraged the church. We have to work out our salvation because God is creating something in us. He is doing a work in us, and we will be changed. We can look forward to that. Eventually, those changes will become very perceptible. Eventually, we come out of the cocoon and we can see the butterfly. We can see and confirm the fact that there has been a change. And sometimes that happens to you when, you, when you've been walking with Christ for a while and you look back and you say, wow, you know, I have changed. It's like uh, the minute hand on the clock. You can't perceive, or the hour hand also, right? Even less, you cannot perceive its change. But if you stop looking at it for a minute and then look back in a few hours, you see that it has moved. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Uh, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. It is going to happen. It is a fact of life as the, sure as the sun rises. The word here changed is from the Greek a meaning to turn one thing into another. We will be changed. We will be turned from one thing into another. One thing is going to cease and another will take its place, just like it happens with the caterpillar in the cocoon. All you see here, all around you, this life will cease. It will change. It will be transformed into something else. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, he is making everything new. And John assures us in 1 John 3, 2, that what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so we have to let this hope drive us to learn to fear the Lord, to want to see him. So we have something to look forward to. We will be changed. We will be like Jesus. Right now, we are working on a deep 
intimate fellowship as God builds us together in the church. But we're going to be looking for the realization of that. We will overcome, as John says in 1 John 5, 4. We are triumphant, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14. We are victors. We might not see it yet. Oftentimes, what we feel is our vulnerability and the fact that we can fail. But for now, even in our failures, even in the way that we're imperfect, God glorifies himself and uses those things to teach us to work on our relationships with one another, which is the current reality, the current way we surrender to God's will in us because he's preparing us for the age to come. This is the thought expressed in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, where he says, in him, in Jesus, we, we, the whole building, right, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So notice in this passage, we, the whole building, right, uh, that means all of us collectively are expected to change. We're joined together and rise to become a holy temple in God. We do so together. So God is expecting us to collectively change. There's a dynamism that God expects for us to have as we love one another, as we accept one another, in order for this collective change and growth to take place. And God is the one doing the heavy lifting individually to make this happen. As it says here in verse 22, in him, you two are being built. So individually, we're expected to change. We each are expected to surrender to the spirit, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is actually the dynamic of any healthy relationship in any healthy marriage as the individuals seek to conform themselves to Christ by walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, seeking fellowship with him, they shall come together in that experience of seeking God and be bonded together by the Spirit. That's how real fellowship occurs, as explained to us in 1 John 1, 5 through 10. So a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship uh, this dynamic occurs when the individuals focus not necessarily on pleasing each other, not necessarily on seeking a response from each other, but on putting their eyes on Jesus and seeking him, walking towards him together. And that's going to bring all the individuals closer and experience that true spiritual fellowship that lasts beyond our life. Notice how he says here in verse 22, we are being built together. The uh, the phrase there is in the present passive, meaning stating a passive process on our behalf, but active on God's. We are surrendering. That's what we're doing there. As we're built together, we're surrendering to the spirit, uh, making a decision not to please the flesh because God is doing an active work in us. Our responsibility is to just work it out with fear and trembling by surrendering to the Spirit, rejecting evil, and loving one another deeply in the church because God is doing something together for all of us. He's building us together. So we have to accept each other's flaws, encourage each other to work out their salvation. And then we will become, as Jesus said in John 4, 14, we will become, we will have those rivers of living water flowing out from us, welling up in us 
toward eternal life. We will become sources of encouragement, sources of life, uh, which is what God wants to do with his church. And thirdly, the third lesson to learn from this episode of uh, transfiguration is what God told them. Uh, when that cloud came over them as Peter was speaking and they all were feel, f- filled with fear, uh, they heard this voice from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That is such an important instruction, important command that God himself voiced it. And not just once, but he said that also when Jesus had been baptized by John the baptizer, when the Holy Spirit came unto Jesus, all of them there heard that voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. This is why God gave us Jesus to show us what it looks like to believe in him, to surrender to the work of the Spirit, to become a vessel that God can use to bring glory to him and to bring salvation and hope to everybody else. So while we wait for our our, our blessed hope to appear, our Jesus to appear in the clouds, whether we go home or, or he comes, we need to keep ourselves in Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, as the Hebrew author says in Hebrews 12, 2. We need to keep our mind on things above, as Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says. And we need to love one, or, one another deeply from the heart, as Peter encourages us in 1 Peter 1, 22. It's not just something we do isolated. This business of transformation is accelerated and synergized by how we interact with each other in the church because God is building us together. This is this business of being a Christian is not something that you can do on your own, but it's something that God works on us together because we are part of the church. Each one of us is part of this collective whole that God is using to show his glory, not just to authorities and rulers here on earth, but in the realms above as well, as he says in Ephesians. So we have to adopt and really think about this attitude uh, expressed in Philippians 1.21 and Galatians 2.20 that really just summarize what it looks like to be on this way to transformation. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is no losing at all because if I'm alive, I am alive for Jesus. Jesus is alive in me. Jesus is working something out and using me to show his glory to the world as I surrender to him. And if I die, then I gain. I'm there with him. You know, I've, I've done my work. So this is how we need to look at the world today. This is what God helps us, the attitudes that God gives us to imitate uh, so that we don't get discouraged by what we see or what we feel from the world and, and those around us, but to really keep our eyes on things above. And the second one is my favorite, Galatians 2.20, where Paul pretty much expresses, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is this is an attitude that we need to imitate. This is when it becomes real. This is what we express when that reality that God is on his throne and God is ruling 
hits us square in the head and makes us not trust our eyes or our heart anymore, but to really trust God and his word. We've been crucified. Our old selves have, have been crucified with Jesus. It no longer lives. It is gone. The new has come. It's Jesus now living in me, using my body as a vessel to show his glory, his love to all those around him. So now this life that I live in my body, Jesus allows me to continue living in it as I am transformed from glory to glory to become that holy dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.